that is talking to small press publishers, zinesters, and right now, since we're in Chicago for the Chicago Art Book Fair, uh, all-around print master Eric von Haynes from Flatlands Press. Eric, thank you so much for taking time out and coming to this weird little side room at the Chicago Athletics Association to talk with me. I appreciate, the, appreciate you reaching out. I'm just here to learn <laughs> and share. <laughs> Wait. Along those lines, like we were just at the North American Reso Conference the other day where you gave a really wonderful presentation. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I loved about how you're talking about what you're doing and just talking about your work in general is that yes, you are doing Reso, you are a Reso printer, but you also come from a printmaking background and you're incorporating so many other processes into the publications, um, into the prints. So I guess as a way to get started with you in Flatlands, um, what got you into printmaking? Um, I grew up abroad and traveling a lot as a military brat, and so graphic novels and things like that, image text and books, and I used to do like the what if books. We have multiple endings and all of that. Yeah. I think I just have a, I've always had a strong relationship with printed matter, and then as I grew older and like explored a lot of different art making, I realized that I love the vehicle that bookmaking allows me to explore, which is not just making an object and the idea of the multiple, but the sharing of that and the visceral qualities that you can have in books. So I've explored it in a lot of different ways. Like, yeah. And I like the group dynamic. Um, I don't know, I'm a romantic about the idea of trying to keep my ego at bay, but um, with process and like trying to make ideas stronger by not like by allowing other perspectives within it um and i just love the practice of i just like working with people sometimes this epic failures but the journey <laughs> is more important to me sometimes like the journey is what makes the the work um valuable to me and then those relationships that come from it Raw Fury, like if from a corporate level, is just a loss leader. It's never been profitable. It's so just really quick, Raw Fury is a publication, a title that you publish? Yes, yes, it's a, Raw Fury is a publication I publish with my uh, often uh, partner in a lot of different art vehicles, uh, Peter Miles Bergman. Um, and it's a vehicle I came up with, Mass had set in a folder for like years. Yeah. And the idea was baked, and then we, oh man, that's a story in it. There's like multiple stories in itself, <laughs> but uh, long story short, it's a vehicle for us to like document the interventionist work that has been done, that Pete does through the organization he's created called IS, otherwise known as Institute of Sociometry. And it's also always been a vehicle for like my studio work and the studio work of my colleagues and peers and those that like, um, are, there's a concept I like hold on to called fan the peer, which is like reaching out to people with mutual, mutual interests yeah. to like show support. And oftentimes it not being a transactional thing, it leads to, to fermenting work or 
opportunities and I love sharing leads, sharing info. It like, I don't know, I like that part of this. Like, cause I'm always gonna make work, but the other, but I'm not always gonna make connections with people. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I'm sorry if I'm rambling. Yeah, like that's <laughs> the whole point of this. Okay. <laughs> There's also something with, with Print Studios I talk about a lot with people in the community, but also my students, is that the Print Studio can be a really open, collaborative, and community-based space. Mm -hmm. And it seems like you really are incorporating that into how you're operating Flatlands. I, like I, I mean, that's at my core. That's what I would love to have more shared space, like, like do more, you know, um, and like the patch project. That there's a patch project I did that you were that we were looking at right before we came over here. But whatever. Uh, and that project was a vehicle, I thought, because it's like there's no people are intimidated by that op those objects. Like mm -hmm. they're inviting, or you just are turned off entirely. Yeah. But they allow me to tell stories where every time someone's intrigued by one of those patches. So I get able to lead in and talk about the work of these artists. Yeah. That's, that's like, I, and these people get a night, you know, they get to walk away with something that they enjoy. They didn't have to have that, t that story to enjoy the object, but now they actually have something that it, it's attached to that they can explore like that artist, or not at all, but they're given yeah. more than it's just something that was cool on a shelf. And it gives that object a bit more gravity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, oftentimes, like, you know, they lead, hopefully, you know, if one or two times it leads to them checking out the work of the artist and being like, and then becoming someone that's an audience and you know, that increases their audience and then they get something out of it, that's great for both parties, right? So Yeah, absolutely. Um, Win-wins, so. <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit about your studio? What equipment you have, uh, when you founded it, how it got started? Well, um, man, well, I started in uh, 2005 with my first solo studio. Like my own, like, well, I, I came from, no, my, prior to this, I was a member of No Coast. Mm -hmm. um, and No Coast was a collaborative group of artists uh, from different, different mediums, including some of the founders of this book fair. Um, did workshops, all kinds of work there, but it was the same idea of community and get in like group, like like power through the group. Yeah. I was looking for equipment for offset for years. Todd Rao, the like the print master of the art institutes offset to our apartment. I told him like when I was still in school, I was like, I'm going to save money when if a machine comes about that you think I would be a good starter. I did the research. I had two partners, well, one partner at the time. Um, and we did a ton of research. Waited for an estate sale at, one, at a print shop. Waited on the opportunity to, to get an offset press. And then I found a space. And the space was off of Cermak, which is uh, right between Chinatown. It's, uh, it's called it's, uh, South Ford Avenue, to be exact, which is an old Model T Ford company, like building. Oh, wow. So it's got this giant freight elevator that's like signature. It's like this, literally the size of the room we're in now, the freight <laughs> elevator. So I was able to move in the first uh, AB Dick Chief 16, the fountain washer, the old fountain washer, the oh, old wow. exposure, um, and a ton of other equipment in one lift. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's that big. Like we, wow, um, that's amazing. So yeah, so it started in about 2005, 2006, but it took a year and a half to renovate. 
um, and a few other years to get it. Like I was just doing a lot of commercial work as well as freelance work off, off site to just finance getting the structure to a point where it could be usable. Yeah. I don't have it was just me and I'm supposed to have two other partners but they both kind of fell off as soon as they the romanticism of the work I guess hit them you know it's like yeah that's you know actually building like ripping up a floor and putting a new floor down is it it requires labor which I did um, yeah but I didn't know that people didn't realize that that's what it took yeah you didn't realize that you'd be doing that yourself yeah i don't know how i mean it was pretty clear (laughs) but uh regardless i think it was one of those moments where i decided this is what i want more than anything and it wasn't an excuse to like just fall up in a corner and say oh someone made it impossible for me to have a studio that functioned the way i wanted so yeah i had to downshift a little bit um only in one uh, one way i had to like recognized that Offset was not going to be a major, major influence in the studio because I couldn't afford to do it right then. So I got Muralist in the studio and I did uh-huh. silk screening exclusively in the studio and Offset outside of the studio with Pete okay. and his studio in Denver and also Letterpress on two different sites. So I was able to finance getting the studio up to par by doing his other work. <laughs> wow. Um, Rizzo actually saved me in a lot of ways from feeling like I was in a box because it was like, I don't didn't want to spend time doing commercial work to support a press. I did that for a living outside of this. Art for me is a different thing. Like I make a, made a, make a living doing, made money doing other things, not making yeah. a living. I made, um, including a lot of advertising design and industrial, like design and commercial field. And I always wanted a separation. I didn't go to school for that. It's just something that I was able to do in Gotham. And in Gotham, like you can either work all the time and have no time to make work, yeah. or you can work a lot of the time and make enough money to sac- so that it makes sense to, to invest that time in someone else's stuff for me. Yeah. Um, so I was able to get equipment over time. So right now I have like multiple flat files, auto cutters, Easy uh, uh, 590 is my main Rezo. Uh, exposure wow. units, full washout, I don't know, uh, 30 by 305, maybe like two dozen 305 screens, 24 yeah. by 36, I don't know, two, two tons of golden paint mediums it's my favorite to silk screen with i like to make my own pigments oh, nice. i don't use a lot of processing i most of the prints for i do now i use like mediums and silk screen like golden golden pigments yeah yeah um i just like the viscosity of it and the pop um but uh so rizzo um man paper folders but you know all that all that yeah, the, yeah all like the finishing all the things. yeah you know corner rounders i love a corner round on my projects um <laughs> uh scores nipping press mm-hmm. have two norwegian perfect binders i've had since my freshman year in college oh wow um they're just beautiful machines they're simple they don't break um yeah um you know i don't know the, the pva paint i, I have Linen for I used to do a lot of book cloth work, like hardbacks and yeah. all of that, and stitch, you know. And you're doing that all that in your studio? Yeah, and um, some of it, um, yeah, most of it, yeah, actually, yeah, all of it in my studio. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> and different stations. It was 3,600 square feet. So wow. I had enough space to have literally a space for binding. So I could like, instead of waiting for something to dry, I could go over here. So I could, so it was like, for me, if it was awesome, yeah, it's had awesome because it's like, footprint, so. yeah, yeah. It was like, okay, I can, instead of like me, like waiting on uh, uh, lay layers to dry, I could like shift gears and go work over here or go knoll upstairs in the conference room and like yeah. clean because no one else did. That was the thing. That's where my footprint is different now is that I realized, well, I loved that space and it was like my second home. I started it when I, my, my daughter, right a year before my daughter was, was we started thinking about having my daughter. So like the, these two investments in a different, just a, like a different, different path um, so it was sentimental I had a lot of sentimental attachments to the space but I'm glad that it changed because I have still a communal effort people come in and do residencies with me and I work with a lot more people more fluidly oh, wow. with a smaller footprint there was something about having this space and the I don't know psychology of architecture yeah that like I wasn't prepared for for like how that op, like how that works, yeah. Um, where, so where's the new space at? I just well, I was in just for the record. Like I moved from the Cermak spot after eight years to a beautiful coach house that had everything I needed, garage, yeah. everything. I didn't even have to go on the main street, but it was also like a block away from where Inga is now. That awesome book bookshop. I'll give them a shout out. Um, but uh, right across the street from uh, Harrison Park in Pilsen. I was in Pilsen for 18 years. So my last studio was there. I just bought a house this summer. And Congrats. we bought a spot. I appreciate that. It's major hardcore adulting these days. Yeah. Um, but it, we, I found a spot that was ideal for a print, a print studio. And it's even sectioned off. So my wet work for silk screening, like, like any, like in my washout and all that is like in a separate room with dehumidifiers and stuff so I don't have oh, to worry okay. about, it's not like I'm not on top of myself, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll show you photos. They won't be able to see them, but I can show you photos as yeah, we're we talking. Yeah, we can post them on the website too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's, I, you know, I didn't never thought that I would like a studio that close to where I live. I liked the separation. It was kind of cool. Like my studio on Cermak, I had a, uh, a house we rented that was like literally like six blocks away so it was like still close enough where I yeah, could walk yeah. and change but I like the idea of walk like so I would go to the studio when it was time to go home I could walk or ride my bike because I hated taking the car unless I needed to bring a bunch of stuff and this gave me time to change change mindset yeah. I'm a real homebody for a record so I like to cook and clean and hang out with my daughter and watercolor and stuff like it's yeah. Like, I like to be home and entertain, like, host. I like, there's something in my energy that's, like, I love that part of uh, having a family. So, and my family being happy inspires me to make work. I can't work if everything's not happy at home. It's something I yeah. learn to heart, like, I learn just through experience. Like, I don't, I don't do the dismal. I can have dismal ideas that come from dismal, but I still have to be in a good spot at home to even think it's a have that critical yeah to work with it, it and to produce the work mm -hmm. and you also mentioned that in your space currently you're able to bring in artists to do like short residencies in there and how 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 does that work 
uh, how do you choose artists or how do artists so approach you? So far, it's just been people just asking if they can come 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 work. Yeah, and it's and I know that I have a camaraderie with them enough to where I know that we can. I won't. They won't over ask. Yeah, <laughs> and also, um, I it's just an opportunity to share time. I want to do more of it. So now that my house situation is ha now I have a home that this way. It's really conducive. Pete's gonna probably be the next one, yeah, because he's on a sabbatical this year from uh, teaching. Um, I should be doing that in the fall. Maybe I'll, I'll hit you up. You should. Yeah. You should. Fall. Yeah, that'd be. Uh, yeah, it's. You should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I the A last year A was the first one to do one. Like he did. He just came through and like uh, we printed some stuff for a show he was doing at the leather. Leather Archive, which is really awesome. Oh, cool. Um, and, uh, and I've done a few residencies with other artists that were really holistic, and it gave, and it's inspired me to like follow suit. Um, there's nothing more than I like than like sharing books and music and food and making <laughs> art. Like, what's the, that's, it's a win-win. Yeah. I just did a residency, shout out to Jordan, uh, Jordan from uh, Adult Punk. Uh, I just did a, Blueprint residency with him. Yeah, that's right. I was seeing those uh, posts whenever he had you in the studio, and it seemed was, like the print that you guys worked on was incredible. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. I got to. I went there under the, the to do an, a truly in situ piece mm -hmm. to not like you know use my wrists or like you know fall on like something that uh, you know almost meditative something that would comfortable to like go there and try to be informed by the space yeah um but i brought tools to try to capture whatever that would be so like photosensitive paper um light table uh, lots of drafting tools and things like that so just to really quick set the scene jordan runs this blueprint residency and is it is it just one day that he works with yeah. an artist to uh -huh. do this? Just one he... day, twenty like you get like twelve hours. Yeah, um, and he has a blueprint machine that you're working with. Yeah, that prints like twenty four thirty six, I think. Or, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the ratio. I feel no eighteen twenty four. I think. Yeah. It's lot. Yeah, I think it's eighteen twenty four actually. My bad. <laughs> so how long was your working day with him for that? I stretched it out to like eleven thirty. <laughs> from like 10 <laughs> to 11.30. My daughter, who's usually my like partner, like my, you know, it's like lone wolf and cub style. Like she was with us early. Yeah. Um, to like maybe three-ish. And then she split off. Um, and then we, and then I went double down. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it seems like there's a really strong uh, like book and print community within the art scene here in Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, just like from this one conversation alone, you yourself opening your studio up to people to be working with you to produce editions or working with Jordan, going into his space and producing blueprints. Um, how would you describe the Chicago community here? Or I guess like your, your community? I feel like um, from the, along, like I was introduced to this, this medium as something like that had potential for me to have a potential to create something that would be valid in from school. The first person I have to give respect to is Dora Boheim. She's the curator from the for the art artist book collection and the special collector. Uh, for I don't know, twenty five plus years. Um, yeah. Ash and 
she invited me in as a, as a worker when I was in school there, and it allowed me to have access to this archive, like old and new. And, and then I started doing work with artists, like making, doing books. And that in itself, like the, to me, like the community opens itself up by making work. Like it's not, yeah. like just the idea, just making work and posting, like not online, like posting up somewhere yeah. so the work can be received, well, you will be invited in the community. It's not, there's no litmus test. Like, you know, like yeah. you may come into contact with people that you vibe more, but it's, you're going to, you're going to be received. Like we have Quimby's for, like Quimby's is like, like a huge conduit for yeah, great, absolutely. like out in alternative printed media. Like that's an, they do things, what, 20, like every day, right? At a week, there's something yeah. you can do there or be witness to other creatives. And maybe that's the thing, like Chicago allows you to be, unlike if you're in a smaller place, there's less chances of you meeting someone that's on a similar frequency. The larger place you're in, there's gonna see more creativity, but you know, instead of one every, every now and then, you see maybe four or five, and so, it feels you feel you know you feel like what you're doing if it's a little different than what's what you're normally seeing is valid yeah is yeah. valid in the larger community larger community of conversation you know um, and I feel like the book community here to me has never been like a litmus test for like how cool this stuff like it's you're just it's it's a hard un rewarding process by larger, larger, like no one cares, <laughs> but you, no one cares like you with yeah. art in general. So I feel like with bookmaking, it's even worse because people like start asking you questions they, would, they don't ask you when you paint. Oh, you know, yeah, no one goes, absolutely. did you make the paint? You know, <laughs> it's like, where'd you get the ink? You know, there's some yeah. odd questions that come about when, you're, when you say you make, but like, you oh, know. absolutely. Um, do you mean you write the stories? Right. <laughs> it's like, it's, <laughs> yeah, or like, you didn't write, you, did you do, like, yeah, okay, you know. Um, or like, this isn't a, like, this is kind of small for a book. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, it's like one page. So it's, it's like, you know, first book, tableaus were considered a book. It was a rock, two sides. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you guys really value those. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> um, I feel like I've been in, but I've had some great colleagues and along the way. Um, and so for me, it's, I've never felt um, unwelcome. Uh, um, and I'm very self-critical, so it's kind of funny for me to say that. I'm always like self-doubting in a way, but... Uh, I've never felt like uh, I was unwanted or, you know, in the Chicago Zine Fest, for instance, here, we have here is like, very, like, you see like, like career lifers and there's new yeah. people all the time and they're given, you know, it's not curated to the point where you see the same people like all the time where you feel like, wait a minute, is anyone getting a chance to like, you know, and it's actually a conversation that comes out, like making sure that people have an opportunity to like, seen you know? yeah um, no I feel like things are getting more popular in this scene as far as like I went to the school of the art Institute and art make art bookmaking was a was valid discipline there but it you know, didn't see, it's like being sell it's like another level to me right now like the new yeah. offset equipment like just the things I'm learning this in this trip 
this fair about some of the newer equipment and the access the students have that I'm envious. I'm envious, like, yeah. I would have... <laughs> so I'm keeping, I, yeah. and I'm, like, also at a university, and mm -hmm. some of the things that I'm seeing, it's, I wish that our students had access as well. Well, the, I know how much it costs me to go there, so if it's, yeah. it's, it's there's got to be some risks. Totally. Like, but it's, I'm glad to see it, you know? Um, and so we have, like, a few publications that you've produced here at the table with us. Um, but one of the things I also appreciated from some of our previous conversations or your presentation was how you're using multiple print processes for every publication. Mm -hmm. So you said previously that the resume machine helped really change what you were doing, mm -hmm. but I love seeing something like Raw Fury, which can be a combination of letterpress and reso and screen print and all these mediums. Um, how That was conceptually from the jump. That was yeah. in the very beginning. Okay, like on the stoop, when I was like, I want to do, okay, so I look at a lot of art, I was in, I was looking at, I was, I've seen a lot of zines, a lot yeah, of zines, yeah. a lot of old, like I've looked like, when I was in school, I went hard, I even, okay, I also deal with typography, and I'm a designer, and I studied just as hard at the Newberry, I've looked at illuminated manuscripts, I've looked yeah. at original, I love the Newberry, okay, that's after the Joan Flash, if you're in Chicago and you love books and you love that, you have to understand that the Newberry is something you have to. If you want to see 13th century illuminated manuscripts and be able to see them on a, like, see them a few inches from your face, yeah, the Newberry is it's an, a private library that's open to the public. That's amazing. Yeah, it's beautiful, and they have. I'll leave. I, I'm not gonna plug. Like, I'll plug them that much, but we're yeah, gonna go yeah. back to the. Like, I'll yeah, ramble. We'll back to your, your work. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I studied. Uh, man, what? Sorry, what was it? What is bring that? We were talking about um, how you're incorporating so much processes. I love print. Work. I yeah. love print media. I love the different, and I think different things read to me. Different papers read different. Different way, like different. The different processes have different moods to me. Yeah. Like so. I, tr I, and as a, I don't know, the designer in me, and like I try to conceptually think about when I design the covers for Raw Fury, I, we're curating the whole time. I'm like figuring out who's gonna be in the gallery. I'm talking to Pete about what he's what he's doing and who he's offering for the gallery, trying to make those so not like so it's like it's like maybe this one doesn't. Maybe we're over here like I would like this like I trying to have a flow. Mm -hmm. Figuring out like even over when the art starts coming in submitting, I start looking at the color palette. That from the artist and seeing if I can find some symmetry in there that yeah. uses for supportive like elements within the book that just kind of blend. So things like they're they're not everyone's not the same, but there's like a cohesive flow to it. Um, and I I think that different substrates help that. Maybe yeah, that's yeah. for me working at the artist book collection and seeing things from like like I said earlier, book like a book being a tableau of a rock. To just yeah. like was it Baez's felt? I felt like the, the felt book, or um, you know, or just or books on metal, or like rice paper, like Hokusai's books that are like you know. Yeah. Um, I think they read different, and especially now that everything there's less tactile things in people's environments. I think people maybe are, their sensibilities are a little bit different now on those that they. They don't take it for granted as much if you use a, a paper that's not bleached yeah. and you use a brilliant pig, like a, simp, a 
pigment on it is it, it it registers as something different. Yeah. Versus you know, but then there's photography that sometimes just reads better on a nice luster. You know, like yeah. it's like um, because that photo, the mood in that photo, I don't think it's gonna work in Rizzo. Totally. You know. What yeah. I mean? um, so for me, that's been the love for like. What I love about Rizzo is that it offers stuff that doesn't work to me in luster or like, or even a flat mat. Yeah. Like it doesn't work the same. Like it's like, it just is. It's like, okay. But it's not <laughs> necessary. It's not celebrating it. It's just like, yeah. you know, not when you put them next to each other. <laughs> it, you know, left its own device. Like it's, it works. Yeah, totally. And I, to me, books are just as much about touching and yeah. than, than everything else. Sorry. <laughs> Well, there's also something that you said right at the beginning of our conversation, uh, traveling with, uh, through your parents in the military, um, and having books as something to hold on to. Were you able to carry the like comics and books that you loved with you from base to base, or did you have to oh, leave yeah. some of the ways? Oh yeah, oh yeah, we were my, we could yeah, I, t I took everything. Um, matter of fact, I uh, it took a long time to get rid of books. My partner oh, yeah. and I are both like love all types of books and like after you've been on the planet for a while, you realize that like they are heavy. So they're okay when you're stationary, when you're like gonna stay in one when you try to move state to state or across like you know, like wow, half the <laughs> truck is bookshelf. Like we like when we moved to Chicago from Athens, Georgia, we had to shed a bunch of stuff because it was like you don't have the same kind of footprint in an apartment, you know? Like, yeah. It's like, our apartment is not, can't be just like bookshelves. You can't see, it's like, there's no, you know, you can't see wall. Yeah. So for me, yeah, I mean, cop, yeah, I have always collected, I collect everyone's work now to be candid with you. Like, yeah. there's a ton of artists here that I have their canons at home. I'm just, as, like I said, I'm a, it's like fan the peer to me. Like I, I love the art form and I love sharing. Um, like today, I brought uh, uh, Lucifer and Dove, which is Alex Valentine's Offset book, which is like so brilliant. And I just wanted to show this gentleman I met, and ended up showing it to a whole bunch of other people. And then apparently, yeah. Alex has some here, so they can take them too. But it's just like cool, you know. Um, like I said, these vehicles are for sharing. Yeah. So I try to keep that in mind, you know. Even the prices, like I'm trying to keep that in mind by how like how things get priced. It's such a yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't want people to they don't want to be access have access based on like, do you need to take the train home or you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's just tough sometimes. No value. I'm not valuing any devaluing anyone else's pricing. It's just yeah. For me, like I'm a I'm a punk at heart. I'm a Fugazi fan. I'm like a you know seven. Like if I could keep things at seven to ten dollars or five dollars, you know. That would be ideal. So that's so that's where Rizzo comes in at, at a totally. certain point. Is I can do work for artists that I just want to do, and I can eat some of the cost because it's not killing me to like get it produced, and then we start making work. Yeah. Now yeah, that's also what I really love about this space and being able to collect so much wonderful work that it is not that that it is accessible. Yeah. And as uh, an educator, I try to open that idea up to my students as much as possible so they can be thinking of other ways to put their work out there. Um, 
but also just being at your table for like a couple minutes as you're interacting with other people and seeing you like tell these stories about the patches or like being able to really open up about so many different other artists practices that you've been working with and naming everyone you've been working with for all the different publications it is almost a storytelling practice as well being at the table oh, and yeah. that like oh, kind definitely. of support definitely i believe we build culture yeah as part of my practice we are we make we make we make the world we live in that's the otherwise i'm just here just right just hanging on yeah i decided a long time ago that i'm a maker right not just a consumer so i'm gonna make things and i'm gonna find people that are like that want to make things and stuff that celebrate the work yeah. over the celebration of all that i don't know the stuff that i don't know the work we just, we just yeah. i celebrate the work and so i'm drawn to people that are that's that are always what's next and what, so in my practice, it's like a big part of that is like continually work, like adding to the story, but also archiving our own story and like, like this, that's what all this is. That's what, yeah. You're either making the work or you're, part of it is my work with Pete and like my love for people like uh, Chris Burden's work, um, just like the idea of time. Oh, and I'll give a shout out to Mark, Mark Jeffries. He's a professor of performance art the Schoolyard Institute, and he's one of the, I give him a shout out. He, he does wonderful work with his, with his Adam Theater group and Judd Nelson, but there was a thing he asked in a class that made me think about art, because I did, I drew for, I, I did all these, like your 2D, your, all your traditional art forms before I ever went to the Schoolyard Institute. Um, he asked me about, it was the aspect of time. As a meat, as a palette for art, so I started looking at art making with that as an aspect, and for so documenting these experiences is is as important as the work itself. Absolutely, for me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. This is really wonderful. I'm so glad you were able to have some time to hang out with me in this uh, little side room, um, and I'm really looking forward to. Hopefully